Welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. Like it's it's going to be hard at the start. Transitioning is hard, but there's nothing more worth it. You have such a, a divine call that you don't even understand. You have this information that the world doesn't even know that they need. If you feel the spirit while you're teaching someone, if you can see their potential, you have to invite them to change. That my relationship with the Savior is, is of much more value um, to me than, than anything. And that's something that I couldn't have learned anywhere else. Welcome back to the Hereby Called podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and alongside me is my co-host and brother-in-law, Zach. Hello. It's been a while. It has. We're back in the booth, and <laughs> sitting across from us is my brother, Cade. It's like, good to be on. <laughs> <laughs> His name's um, John. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Elder Carpenter. Yeah, so Cade recently came back from his mission, and for him, it probably feels like an eternity, but it was, what, three, four months ago? Yeah, four months ago. The exciting thing, I kind of want to interview Cade a little bit about, Cade is the first religious listener of this podcast. (laughs) What? What what the heck? What do you mean? Because we do this, the podcast is done for a lot of, you know, prepare the call to remind the return. I'm doing it because I want to share my stories which I really haven't done mm-hmm. with my kids. So there's like kind of a family history aspect. There's also like inspiring people to go, inspiring people that have already gone. But Cade was on his mission listening to oh, stories. Okay. Well, so, you could have said that like a lot differently. I was just going to say, you know, how did the podcast help you as a missionary? And I guess backing up, maybe we should share you served your mission in the Tennessee Nashville mission. So you're on your mission and me and Zach start pushing these episodes out. Were there any episodes that we posted that you felt like really helped you as a missionary that like you totally identified with? That's an interesting question. I mean, I, I remember listening to them and I remember my companion loved, loved listening to them too. So we would, I would like play them in the car and they always thought it was so funny. I remember the first one that you put out was with uh, Mason yeah. And that, oh, yeah. that one cracked us up so hard because it was just like, it was a good change of pace for us because everything is very serious as a missionary and and everyone reflecting on their mission. It's just like, it's all the good times. And, yeah. and I the one thing, you know, there wasn't like one in particular, but just the experiences of all the different missionaries and what was important to them was like very interesting to me. And I remember listening to it and I was like, well, I hope at the end of my mission, I can come back and have like these amazing <laughs> stories and, yeah. and I can remember it as fondly as them. And I would say, you know, I didn't think I had any of those stories at the time, but looking back, I definitely did have those experiences and, and it just, I don't know if it, it kind of changed my perspective on my mission. You know, I was living these, this time period that everyone is reflecting wished, on. Yeah. wish that they were back <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and not only that, I think, you know, as a missionary, it's so easy to like, be in your own little bubble. And so I'm sure like hearing Mason Duncan served in Germany uh-huh. and did be like, Oh, he's actually kind of, or he went through a lot of the same things I'm going through, but it was just a little bit different. Right. So I'm sure, it, you know, you kind of pop that bubble a little bit and kind of re- made you realize like, 
you're all going through this same thing together. I mean, we're, we were all young, young kids in different parts of the world achieving the same thing. So you've listened to the podcast, you know how we go. We typically start chronologically. Why did you decide to serve a mission? Honestly, I decided to serve a mission because I just knew it was the right thing to do. I feel like growing up, I I was I wasn't like a bad kid. I was just kind of complacent in a lot of things. But like having your example and and your example and um, you pointed at me twice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I pointed to both Jordan and Zach. But just like I knew that the mission was going to be something that I would never regret. And I I would say like I knew that the church was true, but I wouldn't have said that I would be like a defender of the faith. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But I just knew that it was the right thing to do. And so at the time I, I served a mission because I knew that it would... It's kind of, it seems like selfish, but and it it is. But I knew it would bless me in the long run. But I learned to to love it, and, and it taught me so much. I think we were all there for when you opened your mission call. I don't know for some reason I wasn't. And so, Cade, I got Cade. Prior to your mission, you were like a pretty reserved guy. Um, I don't think every like even your own mom in or your to dad, the family, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. In regards to the family, and it's there's a there's a there's an age gap and stuff like that that might you know contribute to that a little bit, but I got a picture. I can't remember where I was. I don't know if I was on a plane traveling of you opening your mission call. And there was literally like 200 people. <laughs> yeah. So I remember like, I was, I had like, I had like six. Like, yeah. Like I'm and as a, like a brother, you're com- comparing competitive, like Jason, I remember he like filled the family room. I filled the family room. There was we two- had to go to the backyard and there was like 250 more people. people I've ever seen. So I yeah. just posted on Instagram as like, everyone come over. I'm opening really? my mission call. Well, real quick, just like, we'll get into that here in a second. Out of your friend group, were you, cause you were, you were part of that whole 19 year olds right out of high school going out. Were you like the first one, one of the first ones of your friends to go? So they were all still around and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So I remember I opened my mission call is like April 3rd and um, I think there was only like one or two people who had gotten their call before me. And, but I, when I opened my call, it said Tennessee national mission, English language, and you report June 5th. And I graduated like May 27th, 28th. That's right. That's right. A week so later. I had like a week <laughs> after graduation and I went to the MTC. And, and what were your thoughts opening? Like some people feel like a connection to the call. Some, for me, it took like a while. What, what were your thoughts when you opened your call? Yeah, I remember when I opened it, there was all these people, of course, that Breathing you on just you. talked about, but I I really, like, I made up my mind. I was like, I want to go to Africa. I think it'd just be so cool to go. And I think just, I remember you saying that. Yeah, I wanted to go to Africa and just suffer for two years. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And because <laughs> I felt like I probably needed it. And I opened it, and the first letter I see is like T. I was like, well... Tan- Tanzania <laughs> could be Africa. And then I read Tennessee Nashville mission. I remember like in my, like I read it in my mind first and I was like, dang it. Like I'm going to Tennessee. But then when I read it out loud, the spirit just like, boom, like, yeah, that's right. That's, 
And I just felt really good about it ever since then. And I remember Jordan was just like, yes, he's going to the South. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a great place to be. Yeah. It, it's kind of interesting. At least when I, I remember opening my call, obviously it was like a big thing to go foreign, right? Like, oh, you're going to learn this language. You're going to go chop down things with a machete. So yeah, I could, I could get, you know, having those high expectations. Was there anything that made you like really think you were going, didn't you have like a dream or something you were going to Africa? No, I, I had this really weird dream right before I opened my mission call. And I just remember my mission was an island. Really? In my dream. <laughs> and so I thought I was going to go to like the Dominican or like, like, yeah. Some I remember you there. saying something like that. And so, yeah, opening and in, in seeing Tennessee. But that was really cool that you had that confirmation early on that, you know, yeah. this is where you needed to go. And I, there's no better place in the world than Nashville. Gosh, well, I'm glad you feel that way. I love that place because Hattiesburg, Mississippi is way better. No. <laughs> Anyways, you go to the MTC, you start serving your mission and it's a typical normal mission. And obviously you were out when COVID happened, but maybe we can talk about some of the experiences that you had before COVID. You wrote down a couple of names of, of people that you met that you kind of wanted to share their experience. And one of them was Michael. Oh yeah. Tell us about Michael and where you met him. So this is kind of funny. Michael is really special guy, of course. And so I just got out of MTC and my first area is a place called Marion, Illinois. And it's the farthest area from the mission home. So me and my trainer, we got in the car, we drove four hours to our area and we're out in Illinois. We, the f closest missionaries are like an hour away from us. It's middle of nowhere. Yeah. So we're in, the, we're, we call it the sticks. And, um, we had, we get to the area. I have no idea, no perception of missionary work at all. And we get in there. Every missionary apartment, our mission had whiteboards with like the people we're teaching, people who are coming to church, people who are on date and people who are about to be baptized. And I didn't know how lucky I was, but we had two people on date for like the next month. And one of them was Michael. And Michael had referred himself just like a week before I got there. And the elders were teaching him. What do you mean referred himself? Like he just came to missionaries to like teach me. Basically. So what, the, what the, a lot of the time what it is, is the church puts out ads. It's like coming to Christ ads and you click on it and then you fill out your information you know, meet with the missionaries. And so he, he did that and that's how he found the missionaries. And I remember my first lesson, we were teaching the word of wisdom and I didn't know what I was going to, I mean, like I know what the word of wisdom is, but I didn't know how to teach it. Yeah. That's weird when you're sitting in front of someone, <laughs> Don't. Like, Hey, you can't smoke anymore. You can't be drinking. <laughs> well, why not? Yeah. Uh, then, Cause yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, gotta, you gotta get a teaching. <laughs> Actually, I, I, going back, I remember when we were driving to the area, and it was me and my companion and Michael called us on the phone and my companion was driving. So I had to answer it and I could not understand a word that he was saying. Was he, uh, and he's speaking English. And he's speaking, speaking English. English. Yeah. That's the South dude. Yeah. And his, it's not even like, like looking back on it, his accent wasn't very bad or anything. Like you shouldn't have that. Ear I there. just couldn't, I just couldn't do it <laughs> at the time. But anyway, we go into this lesson with Michael and we're teaching the word of wisdom. I'm basically just reading the pamphlet to him because 
Oh, it's got like the guy in the jogger. On yeah. The yeah. It's like, the, it's like, oh, they still use it's that like the 90s. Like okay. It's like the 90s. Okay. Right. Stuck okay in listen, real quick. If anybody from the church is listening, like, <laughs> oh, update we, your yeah, content. Can we do that? Look, we will do it <laughs> yeah, for put, you. Put us in charge. We'll, we'll put it, yeah, we'll help you out. Yeah. Another thing with those pamphlets, a lot of them still say mormon.org on the back. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so we're teaching the word of wisdom and he's cool with everything, everything he understands and he likes and he's willing to change. And the last one is, is coffee. And we're talking to him about coffee. He's like, well, I just had, I just had coffee this morning. Like it's, that's going, that one's going to be tough. And we just keep kind of asking him and kind of badgering him. We're like, Michael, if you want these blessings, you, you should, you should seriously consider and, and take these steps. And I remember he stood up right there. He went into his kitchen and it was like out of a movie, even, I don't know if this is in a movie, but he just unscrews it and dumps it all out right in front of us. I was like, this missionary work is awesome. Like, this is so, <laughs> it's hard. so easy. It's so easy. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And <laughs> he dumps it out and he was prepared and he had nothing holding him back. The Lord loved him and he was baptized. Awesome. Sounds like a man of faith right there. He sure is. Faith in action. Um, another person you haven't listed is Michelle. Well, so you were, you were in Foxcroft, Foxcroft. What was the next area you went to? The next one. So Foxcroft is like four hours away in the middle of nowhere. And my uh-huh. next area was the Cumberland ward and that's downtown Nashville. Like downtown, like city, city, yeah. Nashville. Like that's, that's a shocking difference. I'm guessing. Yeah. But I remember that was like the place I wanted to go after I'd been out there. I was like, I want to go to the city just to see what it was like. And I don't know, I feel like throughout the mission, the Lord just like gave me the desires of my heart. Like it was exactly what I wanted. And I I was just blessed to be able to, to experience it. He loved you a lot more than he loved me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where the, yeah, you play the game. Like don't tell him what you want because yeah. <laughs> <it's> the opposite. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess your, your desires are more in line with, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so you're in the Cumberland Ward in Nashville, and you've got Michelle and Wayne written down as someone that you want to talk about. Okay, Michelle and Wayne are actually in the Foxcroft Ward. Oh, okay. Still, sorry. Mm. Still a good area. Still a great area. I actually would say that, that my first area was my favorite area. But this is actually a really interesting story. Um, so I got trained in Foxcroft, and then I ended up training a missionary uh, after my second transfer. And his name is Elder Hafen. It's one of my favorites. But we... Um, Which to back up, like training a missionary right after being trained is... It's an experience. It's an experience. You don't even know it's, what you're doing. <laughs> it's kind of like the blind leading the blind. Yeah. Um, but it's it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And Elder Hafen, you know, you think of me as reserved. Elder Hafen is like reserved times 10. Like if you get to know him, he's like the most funny person on the planet. And super out there, but from the outside looking in, he's like kind of keeps to himself, doesn't say much. And so it was really, really hard for me to help, like feel like I trained him well. Anyways, yeah. sorry to have two reserved people going. Yeah, two two introverts. So like, like so knock on the door and they just stare at people. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna talk? <laughs> anyway, so this was also. So Elder Hafen's first day, we're driving back up, four hours back up to Foxcroft. And you know, I'm trying to be a good good Trainer. friend to him. Yeah. You know, not trying to make him miserable. And so as soon as we get into town, I know that 
I didn't have a pillow my first night. I was like, let's go to Walmart and let's get you a pillow. And so we, uh, and a blanket, but we go to Walmart and we are walking, you know, walk in, walk to the left and we're walking down the main aisle. And as I'm walking, I hear this guy. He's just like, Oh, it's the missionaries. Like I love the missionaries. Like I look back and I don't recognize anyone. And I've been in that area a while. So I know everyone in the ward and I know a lot of people yeah, small there. Town. Yeah. It's not very big. And so we just keep walking. We probably walk like 50 yards further down. And this big old guy comes, taps us on the shoulder. And he's like, Hey, missionaries, what's up? My name's Wayne. They're like, Hey Wayne, like, how are you? Like, what, like, what do you need? (laughs) He's like, um, this is my family. And he points to his family and, and there's Michelle and his kids. And he's like, this is my beautiful family. Uh, we're from St. Louis. We just moved to Marion. Uh, I'm a member. I don't really go to church anymore, but I just love the missionaries. But you don't need my contact information. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. So I was like, oh. He's like, well, he, he probably like mid-sentence was like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to want to come He over. realized. He's Actually. Like, <laughs> yeah. So he's he's like, like. I might come to church. We gave him the address and everything. He has our number. And that was kind of the end of it, we thought. So we get um, the pillow and blanket. We go do missionary work. And then probably two or three weeks later, uh, Wayne and his family, they show up to church. And that was really, really a cool moment because, you know, people say a lot of things. (laughs) Sorry. People say a lot of things. And it's not often, especially in missionary work, you you kind of get used to being disappointed. But when he showed up, it was like, it felt really, really good. And the ward, you know, every ward loves another family, you know. And so when they saw him come and their whole family, it was just like everyone just they glued to his family. And yeah. Wait, um, you know, you, you said something about small town. Is this branches? Are these branches? Like how big is the ward that you're, you're in? The ward, it was actually like the biggest ward in the stake. Um, it was probably like a hundred active. Okay. So it was, it's like normal ish. Yeah. But the boundaries were massive an hour by two hours. Oh wow. Okay. So I'm just trying to paint a picture. Yeah. Anyway. So come to find out in the story, um, Wayne, Wayne's, family are all not members. And it was right as I was leaving that we got the chance to, because at first Wayne was kind of hesitant about us teaching them, but as he continued to come to church and, you know, feel the fellowship, everyone just, just loved them and their family. And we were able to, we had Thanksgiving with them. We, I, I felt like part of his family and I felt really loved by, by Wayne and Michelle because you know, that, that ward was just like a family to me, but they were just like my family. Cause I remember at first being a missionary, it's like going to a ward you don't know, especially like the first week I remember is, is really kind of awkward. It's like, you don't really understand your place, but once you get going, it, it doesn't really matter. But that was super helpful for me. And I think for Elder Hafen as well as he, um, was able to be comfortable with them and then was able to teach them 
because he didn't have to kind of, he wasn't reserved as reserved as he would have been otherwise. That makes sense. Yeah. I think everyone in the world is looking for belonging and it's interesting that missionaries are looking for it too. And when they feel like they belong and their investigators feel like they belong, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. So Cumberland was kind of the situation was that the ward wasn't as fond as the mission with the missionaries as we would have hoped. And there wasn't a lot going on there. Remember when we first got there, me and other freeze, we opened up the area book and there's three, we call them dots. Cause in the app, there's like dots next to their name. There's three yellow dots, which means that they're interested, but not being taught. And they're all referrals that have been not been contacted. So you know that the mission... Someone dropped the ball there. Yeah, there's something going on. And so we go, we try and get in contact with all these people, and there's really nothing going on. No one's really interested. So we're starting at like ground zero, and there's another referral that we get, and it's it's DJ. And it, I remember it took us so long to get in contact with him. Usually... I would try like three times with someone and then drop them. But I remember keeping DJ's name in the area book for more than, more than three attempts. And he was a referral from his boss. His, he was a chef at a hotel in Nashville, but it was a member referral, which is like, you know, really, really good. The stuff, stuff that you want and the people that you know are, are going to have a fellowshipper and, and just have the best chance. But so we go to, we finally get a hold of him and he just tells us there's a lot of stuff going on in his life. And he seemed pretty familiar with missionaries. And so we set up an appointment and he lived at that like downtown, downtown. He lives on, he lived on church street, which is like, it's like one street over from Broadway. And we we go in there and we're in like the lobby of his apartment building and there's like a conference room in the back and so we we're meeting in this big old conference room and he's this kid he's like he's like our age he's from the philippines and he was just very very down he's really really depressed he had a lot of different things going on, a lot of responsibility for someone so young and a lot of expectations that he wasn't in his mind fulfilling. But I remember that he told us that he had been taught by missionaries before and that he loved everything that he was taught, but his parents wouldn't, wouldn't let him be baptized in the Philippines. But when we, we gave him the Book of Mormon after our first visit, you know, something that he's already, he's already a little bit familiar with, but I just remember after, after it, he, he calls us or texts us and he just tells us how much peace he feels from the Book of Mormon. And that's, that's like when I knew that DJ was, was prepared. Cause you know, like I said, there's a lot of people who say a lot of things and there's a lot of disappointments in missionary work. But DJ was, he was always so powerful. And the cool thing about DJ was he was, like I said, a chef. 
And so for our appointments, he would make us food and he made us this steak that was so good. <laughs> and it's like, I, it's just like the best food. And yeah, he is so cool. But anyways, we, we have that first visit with him and we invite him to be baptized. And he's like, yeah, like he's all for it. The only thing he has to worry about is his parents. He doesn't want to disrespect his parents because that's very important to him. But we had one more lesson and we taught him everything and he wanted to move up his baptismal date. And I just remember his, his faith was incredible because he knew everything. He knew that it was right because he felt the impact that it had on his life. And he, he like desired it. He wanted it more than anything. Even so that even so much that he, he, he couldn't wait. He needed it to happen now. And I remember at the day of his baptism that it was, it was either it was ward conference and the stake president got up and he had DJ stand up. He goes, he goes, DJ, these, all the people around you, this is your family and everyone, you can't help but love DJ. He's just like the coolest dude. And it, I, it was very impactful for him. Because he was, he had his friends from the Philippines there with him, but really he, he was pretty alone, especially in his beliefs. Um, and then he was baptized and the next Sunday I remember was, it was fast Sunday and DJ got up and he bore a really, really powerful testimony where he, he said that he would, he would never ever leave this church that he would always remember the experiences that he had, and that he was so grateful for his membership. And I just remember it was just really, really powerful. And I was just so blessed to be a part of it because anyone could have been there, but I was blessed to just be witness this guy. Yeah. The gospel. Like it wasn't because of me. I just was able to witness his experience. And I'm so grateful for that. You mentioned that he was a, a good cook. Yeah. What were you? So the best food you had on was your mission DJ steak? was DJ steak. Yeah. One of the best or is that the best? I'm trying to think, but it's definitely up there. Well, okay. So other end of the spectrum, what was the worst food you had? Cause I was in the South too. And there's some weird backwoodsy <laughs> stuff. I never did. had like roadkill or anything, but there's some things that just disagreed with my body. Such as? There in my first in Foxcroft, I there was this really really sweet old lady, and uh, always a sweet. Old I was gonna say you don't have to like bug coat it with frosting, dude. Tell it tell it how it is. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, okay, everyone loved her cooking. Everyone thought it was the best cooking on the planet. And so she, when she fed the missionaries, she threw a party so everyone could come uh -huh. eat. So there's like tons of food. Oh yeah, there's tons of food and like six different families there. And it was all good. It was like, it was just one of those things when it's like, oh, have some more, have yeah, some more. Yeah, yeah. So what, what, but what is this item? Yeah. The item it's ham, hock and beans. Ham, hock and beans. Do you know what that is? I'm, I'm sure it's, it's like pot roast it's, with beans. It's just like a pig, like pig ankle, like in beans. Eey. And they, they didn't like. You don't eat that. You don't eat the, the hawk. No. The ankle? 
Yeah, you have you have like scrape off the meat and then eat it with the beans. It's <laughs> the like, ankle? Yeah. Like there's so much good meat on a pig and you eat the ankle. I, I don't know. But anyways, when she was making it, it wasn't quite to her touch. And so she like the beans were too runny or something. Mm. So she just like pours like cornstarch into it and to thicken it up. Ooh. And, it, and then she just like throws it in front of me. And I'm just, I'm already full at this point, but I'm like trying to eat And this it. is your first area. So you're like. Yeah, this oh, is why I gotta eat everything. This is probably within three weeks of my <laughs> starting. And I mean, it's not that it tasted bad, but afterwards, because we have to like t- teach the members left, like leave them with a spiritual thought so that we, we're good missionaries, right? But I, I could barely stand up because my stomach, it felt like a washing machine just of gas. Oh. And I was just like rolling and tumbling. And I remember I was like, as soon as we got, I was like, elder, we got to go to the gas station because I need to go. And we go over and Casey's, was there Casey's in Mississippi? No, but they're in Oklahoma. They're nice. Yeah. So Casey's is the best place to go to the bathroom. Like QT? It's like QT or yeah. Mavericks. It's just a nice gas station. Yeah. It's because, yeah, it's the nicest. So it's the best place to go for, to the bathroom. And I don't know, I, I bet you're going to edit this out, but. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> it was like it was like a leaf blower. I just straight gas for like ten <laughs> minutes, and it, oh my gosh! But I felt better afterwards. But that was probably the thing that that affected me the most. I'm trying to think of other like just like. So weird I mean, you talked about you had gas. Did you ever poop your pants? No, never poop. Did my you ever pants. come close? No, never. <sighs> no, not once. No, I, and I I wanted to so bad because of, because of the podcast. I wanted to have an experience so bad. I mean, you could have just let it happen. Like, oh, this will be great on the episode. No, but I just... Live your mission for the podcast. Anyway. Aye, aye, aye. All right, so never pooped your pants. You wanted to. You ate some crazy food. You know, obviously Jordan talks a lot about the South. Um, I served my mission in Brazil. There, there's gotta be moments where you're like, where the heck am I? Like this was so, uh, this would never happen in Arizona, whether that's you go into somebody's house and there's like, I don't know, a possum, a pet possum or something like that. Where was, what was a moment like in Tennessee where you're just like, where I, I, what is, what is happening? Where am I? Is there anything that comes to mind? Um, I can think of a few, um, in, again, in my first area. So I got there at the very end of June. And so the 4th of July was right around the corner. I remember we're out like on the 4th of July and people are just like burning cars in their front yards. It's like, what the (laughs) heck are you doing? Yeah, America. <laughs> yeah. They're like Fourth of July is a pretty big deal in the South. Yeah, I mean, so it was on Fourth of July. People were just South, setting yeah. fire to cars. Yeah, well, it's just like they're old, like beat up cars. Everyone's got like a they probably just a junker, a junker yeah. in their front. Mm-hmm. Claiming insurance, man. Right. <laughs> but other than that, there is this one, this sweet family that we were trying to reactivate, and they lived like out there. They had a bunch of cats. I don't know if they were their cats or if it was like a mom situation to just feed every cat, but it came from like, it it turned into cats to raccoons and they had like pet raccoons Ooh. and are they, are those, they're scary. I hate those things. <laughs> 
we were sitting outside in their like front yard and there's a dish with cat food and a raccoon just comes up and they're like, Oh, it's, it's our, it's like, Larry. I forget the name. Yeah. Jimmy. Like, That's Larry. Jimmy. I was like, what the heck are you doing? And there's like a box next to the, next to the dish and a cat jumps up on it and just smacks the raccoon. But the <laughs> raccoon doesn't flinch. It doesn't do it. bigger. Yeah. And I was like, where am I right now? Like, who has pet raccoons? <laughs> pet stray raccoons. Yeah. It's like, anyway, that was, that was, that was interesting. That's a pretty good, uh, symbol of the South. I think we'll yeah. accept that. As well, a, raccoons or burning cars in your front yard or both. Everything Kate just said. <laughs> I just feel like it's so funny that people, when you tell them that you served as a missionary for two years, you knock doors or whatever. You tell people that like, man, you're weird. It's like, no. People and everyone's weird. And I saw yeah. some of the weirdest stuff ever. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty nuts. And so uh, having been in the South, I mean, there's probably a couple of things that you had to get used to. One of them being like humidity and stuff like that. Was there ever like any things, you know, anything outside of obviously like eating weird food and seeing weird things? Like, like for example, in Brazil, I had a companion who would get like chub rub, you know, where it's like your legs rub together every day at four o'clock. I mean, was there anything like that where it's like, you're like, I just can't take this humidity or this rain or this heat. Um, yeah, I think, I think the main thing is probably just the humidity coming from Arizona where it's so dry. Cause I remember getting off the plane in Nashville and it was raining and it was the middle of June and I like could not breathe. Really? The air was <laughs> so thick, but you get used to it after a while. But other than that, I think the worst thing about the weather there is it gets cold, but it doesn't get cold enough to like snow. And so it, it's like a 30 degree rain. Oh, wow. And it's just... Does it like bad. turn into the, ice? The humid cold just goes right through your jacket. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. Yeah, I never experienced that. Well, I mean, okay. Let's get into the serious stuff now. Obviously, um, we've interviewed a lot of Cade's friends actually who were serving foreign and came home due to COVID and were reassigned elsewhere. Obviously COVID uh, not only impacted Cade's mission, but a lot of other people uh, take us through that. Like, how, like, I mean, we've interviewed some people foreign who, who basically were like, they, they heard about COVID, they heard it was a thing. And then all of a sudden it was elders, you're going home. Uh, and so take us through like, yeah, how, like what was your experience like with COVID? You know, did you hear it, hear it first from a member or like take us through that? I was I was in Cumberland in my second area and we it was all within like a week. So there was of course like talk of COVID and we were pretty well connected. We had phones and we didn't have Facebook at the time, but we were pretty well connected, I would say, with the ward. And I was with Elder Faris and we had been together for two transfers, but president was going to leave us for three in Cumberland together. And usually in my mission, uh, the max was two usually for, a, for companionship. So we were really excited, but within like the first 10 days of that transfer, that's when like COVID started getting like bad. I think a few weeks before that the missionaries in the Philippines and Brazil all had to get sent home. We didn't know what was going to happen. Are we going to go home to like, what's, 
no one really knew what was happening. And we had a mission-wide call. President Weaver basically said, okay, everyone, get two weeks worth of food and be ready to do go back to missionary work in two weeks. And so that was, again, right at that kind of the transfer was happening. But what ended up happening was obviously COVID didn't go away after two weeks. And so they started sending all the missionaries with asthma or diabetes or other conditions home. And Elder Faris had asthma. The president called him and said that he was going home. And it was devastating for me because he is, that's my companion. I, lo I love Elder Faris and I know how much that he loved his mission. And the amazing thing, side stories, he never really, he never had to go home. He was an exception. But what ended up happening is missionaries with asthma, diabetes, and then 21 months out had to go home. And for us in the, in the Tennessee Nashville mission, that was a lot of our leadership. That was like 14 of our 16 zone leaders. And so everyone got shuffled around after this point. And I ended up getting emergency transferred to Hopkinsville right when COVID was, was happening. But yeah, for the first few weeks, we didn't know how, how to do it. We were just in our apartments trying to be productive as best we could without knowing what to do because we still, it was like a, a mission rule for us that we weren't allowed to have Facebook on our phone. And that was still in place um, like three or four weeks until after that happened. So for a while we were just kind of, I don't know, calling members on the phone, calling everyone in our area books, but not a lot was going on. Uh, other than that. I heard at one point you guys were just dialing phone numbers, like, like literally just like your area code and then just random numbers. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's actually one of the best ways to find people now. Really? Yeah. <laughs> just, just randomly dialing. Well, you have your phone number, so there's the area code and then they call it a prefix. Uh -huh. And that prefix is also area specific. And so so we, zero, 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 one, zero, zero, two, zero. yeah. So you have six one five for Nashville, four zero four for your neighborhood, and then zero 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 one, zero 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 two, zero 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 three, and we just call people. It's like <laughs> oh really? It's wow. like telemarketing, but it's like tracking. COVID it taught us how to use the tools that the Lord had given us because we had no other choice. We had to use our phones, so we learned how to use Facebook to reach out to people, and we we called people on the phone. And we taught them that way. So you were able to see missionary work both ways from the physical in-person versus reaching out online and, and virtual meetings and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Which was more successful? Online. Does that blow your mind? Cause like for me, for me and like, I guess a lot of like the older generation that we knocked on doors, like yeah. there's kind of a pride to it for sure. It's yeah. like, oh, these like kids, they don't, they don't know how to. And I definitely like, feel that. I like, really? Yeah. Like, if, like, when I got home, it was like, oh, you didn't really knock on doors. Well, for who two said years. that? But who, well, no, who says No that? one says it, but like, you, you feel that way. I can feel it. But the thing is, it's literally the same thing. The difference between knocking on doors and doing it over technology is it's way more efficient over technology. 
Yeah, I can imagine. And um, the the only difference is you talk to way more people. But I will tell you, I enjoy knocking on doors way better. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. The interaction is probably more fulfilling. Yeah, and the the whole idea of of talking to people online is to be able to meet them in person. Because if you're just, it's it's not going to go anywhere. There's no commitment unless you actually like meet with them. And so it was really interesting to to see how we could help people make that step of meeting with us in person. That was like the whole goal. But yeah, it was, I remember we, the goal always like before COVID was to baptize 30 people. That was in a month for the Tennessee national mission. And that was, that was like the big deal. And I think just recently that the Tennessee national mission had like 55 and that's from the things that we're Online. learning. And yeah. Yeah. So, and it was funny on, on like the non-missionary side to see a bunch of Facebook pages yeah. being created yeah, sure. and yeah. like missionaries like throwing basketball hoops full court and be like, let's learn about Jesus. It's yeah. Like, you got my attention. <laughs> well, no, it's interesting, right? Because obviously there, I mean, let's be honest, there were some things even that Cade's mission produced that I was like, what the oh, yeah. is going on? But the interesting thing is it you worked, guys, though. no, well, you guys were, you guys were trying to do the best invent. You yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're testing and you're learning and you're okay. Maybe that didn't work. Okay. Maybe we shouldn't post that. Right. But at the same time, like you're, you're using, you know, it's no different than like if you were going to doing street context, but hey, the, the way I approached that lady, it didn't work or the, what I said didn't work. Right. It's just, uh, being that it's on the internet, it's a little bit more like yeah, concrete. It's there, it's, it's there forever. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it, maybe it's not there forever, but like, I just remember some of the videos that you guys were making and obviously you guys were trying to do the best you could, but yeah, I was just like, what is going on? Yeah. There was a lot of time spent trying to like refine what we were actually putting out. And at the beginning there was no structure of course, but, um, I don't know if it, this is churchwide or just, um, in Tennessee, we had like stake representatives from each stake and they would have to approve what we posted. And then we had different callings that you wouldn't normally have had. So we had like member callings. No, I'm talking about in the missionary, oh, okay. the missionaries, like the social media. Yeah. So person. there's like a, there's like a whole nother side. There's like, we had social media leaders and then social media specialists. Oh wow. wow. And so it's like a whole nother chain. And then I saw you had sent an email that at one point you guys had like the, I don't know, like the best, most successful Facebook campaigns in America or something like that. Yeah. We, so I think what you're referring to is it's like a screenshot of an email or a conversation that you yeah. have with someone from Salt Lake. So what it was, was the Tennessee Nashville mission was number one in the world for finding through Facebook. And, and I have nothing to do with that. Cause I, what, have no what were those metrics? Um, what do you mean? Like what did, what did they, how were they measuring you finding people? Based off like people clicking on a link and then so an appointment or something. Uh, you got a form or something. Just, I just had a curiosity. Yeah. The way that area book works, it's an app. And so you have to create a person and then teach them a principle and extend a commitment and then have another um, appointment set up, another teaching appointment set up with them. Gotcha. And so when you do that, it syncs in your area book, then you sync and it goes to the mission. And I'm sure the church can see okay, that. Okay. Dang, man. I wrote everything down on a flipping piece I know, of paper. It was, a binder. <laughs> it was yeah. like the family Bible. Yeah, I cannot, I cannot imagine doing that on paper. <laughs> yeah. Going back to 
this list, you had Nader. Was he? Did you meet him through social media, or how did you how did you meet Nader? Okay, this is a crazy, crazy story. <laughs> yeah, I like this one. I kind of heard it through proxy, so it'll be good to hear it again. And I gotta try and remember everything because there's just so much to it. But he is a really, really special guy. And so I met him in my fourth area. So after I went to, I got transferred because of COVID to Hopkinsville and I was there for about eight months. And then I got transferred back to Nashville. Um, and this guy was, he was also a referral. So man, those members are doing a good job. <laughs> well, he, I think he was online cause yeah, he was online. So he had just found it himself. But there's more to that story. So we, me and my companion, who was also, this is my second time being his companion, Elder McNall. We were in the Smith Springs ward and they had this dude in their area book. This is when I was fairly new to the area. And it was Nader. And never been able to contact him. Kind of one of those things you know, you try him three times and then you give up. That's kind of like the unspoken rule. He strikes you out. Yeah. But, you know, there's other ways to do it as well. But it's kind of like we would try him three times. And if you really wanted to, you can send him an email. So usually people never really responded to emails. But we they had sent him an email. And Nader, like two months after the email was sent, and when I was in the area, he responded to the email. And he's like, yes, let's set up a time to meet. This is very important to me. Anytime you want, doesn't matter if I'm working, you know, I will be there. It's like, oh, okay. So he set up this time and we meet him. And he's this Egyptian man who loves the Book of Mormon, who loves Joseph Smith, who loves the gospel. And like, what in the world is going on? How are you not baptized? Yeah. <laughs> We're like, you should be the bishop. <laughs> but he, so his kind of backstory is he grew up in Egypt and there's a lot of, a lot of different, there's a lot of opposition for Christians there. And he never really believed in, in the other way. He always knew that for himself, that Christianity was, was correct. And so he faced a lot of opposition and he got beat up a few times and, and really had had a hard time but he had a family he had a great profession he was very wealthy um but he knew that he, more than anything he he loved the gospel and this is all in Egypt you're saying he had this a great profession in, yeah, yeah yeah okay and so he i can't remember how but somehow he came across a book of mormon in arabic it's not uh, not a hard copy, but he has it on his on his laptop, and he would read it every day. So when we're meeting with him in Nashville, he tells us that he's read the Book of Mormon every single day for the past eight years, and he can he can he's like he's, he's powerful. He's it, and like he he's, knows it. Yeah, he knows it, but he knows it in Arabic, and so interesting. Yeah, and so it was hard to like really tell because his English is good, but it's not like that great. It was hard to tell, but the reason that we could tell that he was for real is when he was speaking, it was just like his story was so powerful. Like the spirit was, 
was definitely bearing witness. And he told us about how he had come to the States because his, because he wanted to go to Utah. <laughs> he wanted to go to Utah and be with the saints. He wanted to, uh, he wanted to go to the, the Salt Lake temple. And he, I remember he told us about this dream that his son had and his son, this is back in Egypt. We're going back to Egypt. His son had this dream that he couldn't quite describe. So he started writing it down and his son who uh, he only knows Arabic. He doesn't know any other language. He started writing in like hieroglyphics, like Egyptian hieroglyphs. And, and on the back, he drew a, a picture of the Salt Lake temple. Nader was really strung out about it and he took it to an interpreter and this piece of paper that his son drew on after a dream basically says, what are you doing here? Jacob awaits you. The really interesting thing about that, the missionary that I was with and the missionary who, whose place I took, who I replaced, both of their names was Jacob. And, and it was just like, so like, there's no way this is a coincidence. <laughs> it's funny because he'd never called us like elder. He'd always call us Jacob. Hello, Jacob. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? So like after you hear all this and then you and your elder get back in your car. Yeah. What were like, you like? We're like, this is insane <laughs> like there's nothing like this like this yeah. is again straight out of a movie but somehow the Lord is allowing me to experience this it's like well we of course have nothing to do with his conversion he's already converted and he yeah, how do we get out of the way so he can baptize well how did he get like yeah how did you get to Tennessee well, rather than Utah that's a little ways away yeah he basically what ended up happening is he he came and he was in a bad spot because different complications in his family and gotcha. having to pay different bills and, and things like that. And he ended up in Nashville because he knew someone and basically he got taken advantage of and beat up again and, oh, bummer. and, and complications with another church that he was confused about. Cause again, his English wasn't the greatest, but we had a lesson me, my companion, and then the mission president. And we couldn't teach, we couldn't teach Nader because he was teaching us. He was just, <laughs> he was just like, yeah, like I will, like I know the word of wisdom. I know it's right. I know the, the law of chastity, all the commandments. Like he was teaching us and we had no room to speak. He, he knew everything. And actually there's a cool coincidence that um, the, I think it's the, one of the area general authorities is, I'm not sure if he's from, I'm pretty sure he's from Egypt, Elder Beheshti. And so we tried to connect them. But as soon as we had a baptismal day for Nader, as soon as we got it all set up, it was like the day before his, his daughter passes away in Egypt. And so he flies to Egypt. And that was really, really hard on him. And after that, we couldn't really get in contact with him. 
because we never knew when he came back to to the states. But it was like a week before I went home, and I just like I I just gonna call him that. Like this is like months months later. Yeah, because it was probably like six or seven months later. And I was like, I'm just going to call him there and see how he's doing. And he had been in the hospital. It's just like every time he gets close to the gospel, something happens to him. It's like, it's like there's something that doesn't want him to be a part of this, but he knows it's true and he's so powerful. But, you know, I, the interesting thing is I don't know the end of the story yet because I still need, I, I don't know if he's baptized or not or anything. No, but I know that he's faithful. <laughs> That's the thing that I know. And I don't know why the Lord needed me to have that experience, but I'm grateful that I was able to meet him. And I don't know why all these bad things have to happen to him, but I know that because I met Nader, my my testimony and my faith was strengthened. And I hope that he does get a chance because it's more... It's it's what he he wants and what he desires, but there's so many different things going on. It's I just want to hear the end of the story as much as you do. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for the next yeah, episode. We're, we're gonna call we'll him. Too. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could hook up the phone to this. I can and call, call him right now. Let's call him right now. Okay, I'm calling we're him right live. here. Here, hold on. Let's yeah, let's Zach, pause. I can I can legit hook it up to this. Okay, or is that too weird? No, do it. Okay, hold on. Yeah, I just got to turn mine up. Okay, for those of you, uh, we took a little break. We're actually going to call Nader. What do you do first? <laughs> Live call. Let's see if he answers. Yeah. You should be able to hear it ring. Yeah. Well, we tried. This just goes to prove that nobody's safe. We'll get you on the show. We'll get you one time. We'll get you. No, but that, that's really cool. I think one day it would be cool to get him on here and say, hey, you know, just give everybody an update. That would be really awesome. Yeah. Maybe even like hear his side of the story. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, Set up a honestly, Zoom call or something. Yeah. Like his whole idea, the reason why he's so amazing is because he wants to bring the gospel to everyone in Arabic. Like, because there's a big Arabic community in Nashville. And he even does mission work. Like he's in the hospital, but he's like giving out Arabic Book of Mormons to oh, his wow. friends. And his friends are really, really interested in the gospel, but we, I, I can't teach them because I don't speak Arabic. That's crazy. I have to imagine like, you know, obviously having our savior kind of grow up on that side of the earth that there's kind of like. He lived in Egypt. Yeah. Like there's. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, there's got to be some like, uh, form of commonality that they're like, this happened in my backyard. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. maybe it hits a little bit closer to home for them. Whereas like, you know, people out in Mesa, Arizona, it's like, it happened so far away. So, right. you know, I'm sure that's, that's, that's interesting that, uh, so is he, is the Book of Mormon, you said there's, it's not printed in Arabic, but he's like printing it out or? No, he, it is printed in oh, okay, Arabic, it is. but when he first had it, it was just on the gotcha, computer. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Hey, that's a crazy story. 
So looking back, how did your relationship with the Savior change during your service? Um, before my mission, I knew that Jesus Christ was a person, but I didn't really understand what or how I could benefit from his life and from his example. And I remember I had this experience at the beginning of my mission. Again, not my testimony was there, but probably not the strongest, where I could not put the Book of Mormon down. And I remember I would read it. We have an hour of personal study, and I would read it for that whole hour, and I'd read like 10 chapters a day, and I loved it. And I was, I was, I was like feasting upon the Word, like quite literally. That's how it felt. And I remember by the end, I just didn't want the Book of Mormon to end because I was like, well... Like now what? <laughs> but you just you start it over again, keep going. But I remember, you know, like, and I think a lot of people feel this way that we are the way that we are, and that it's hard to change, and it is hard to change. But I learned on my mission that change only comes as you rely on the Savior, and that for those verses about how you know the Lord will make weak things strong and and how he'll lighten the burdens on your back. Those verses are real. They're not just nice things to say, but I definitely did realize and experience those blessings on my mission. And I don't know, before my mission in high school, I know I wasn't very nice to people. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't very nice to people at all. And I feel like I was able to learn um, maybe a glimpse of how the Savior would treat people. Maybe just a glimpse of of how he would serve people. And I feel like I've changed in that regard, but it's, it's hard to just quantify that change because there's still a lot of improvement to be made and a lot of things that I am imperfect at, but I feel like my relationship with the savior changed the most because I took the time to learn about him instead of just Oh yeah, that's Jesus and he died for me and that's a good thing. I I realized from the scriptures what how he conducts himself and why he does that and what difference that makes. And just by making small goals, goal setting was really important to me on my mission. And I love that talk from the general conference about the 1% change. And I feel like I was definitely able to learn that principle because I feel like I I did not come back the same person, but someone that um, values the Savior much higher. That my relationship with the Savior is is of much more value um, to me than than anything. And that's something that I couldn't have learned anywhere else. Um, So there's a bunch of kids out there. that have met with their bishop, they've met with their stake president, they have their papers in, they're going to get their mission call and it's going to say Nashville, Tennessee. What words of advice or, or words of encouragement do you have for those who are preparing to go, not only to serve a mission in general, but those who are serving in Nashville, Tennessee? There's so much and there's so much to be said, but you just have to go and, and do it. Like it's, it's going to be hard at the start. It, transitioning is hard but there's nothing more worth it. (sighs) Serving a mission, advice. I'm trying to think. Just, you have such a a divine call that you don't even 
understand. It's like you have this information that the world doesn't even know that they need. And if you feel the spirit while you're teaching someone, if you can see their potential, you have to invite them to change, to invite them to, to receive the gospel and to be baptized. There's so many people it talks about in, in doctrine and covenants, there's people out there who, who are looking for the truth, but they don't know where to find it. And if you just talk to every single person that you can, you're going to find one of those people. Mm -hmm. I just talked about a few of those and it's hard. It's hard to get out of your comfort zone. It's hard to push yourself and do things that you wouldn't normally do, but you really have to just become a nerd for the gospel and become a nerd of missionary work and just go all in. Yeah. Cause if you're not going all in, you it's, it's not only going to be not as beneficial as it could be, but it might even waste your time. And that's one thing that I was, that's a perspective that I had that I didn't want to waste my time. I didn't want to have my mission for, with any regrets. And so it, you just have to give all of yourself cause you're going to be there for two years anyways. Either going to be there for two years and have an amazing experience, or you're just going to be um, complacent. And so you're going to be there anyways. Why not make the most of your experience? Mm -hmm. And you, when when you kind of just go all in, your mindset changes. It's not, oh, I'm going to be here for two years. It's I only have two years left to serve in this capacity. Very well said. Now on the, we talked about you know kids who are preparing to go on a mission young men and young women, having been, having returned home from your mission now, what, three, four months? Mm -hmm. um, returning from a mission could be a challenge in and of itself, a whole different set of challenge. Um, what advice do you have for people who have, who are about to return, who have returned or who have been returned home or who have, who have been home for 10, 15 years? Some advice that I have is do not, do not dare Get rid of those, uh, those uh, habits that you built up on your mission. It's hard. Like it's a sacrifice, but it's what you've learned and it's the things that you've relied on, on, on your mission. But so first piece of advice, study every day, read this, read something, read the scriptures. I read the book of Mormon and it doesn't have to be a lot, but just, you know, you have to, you have to do it. You have to rely on it because that's what you learned. Those are the principles that you learned and then stay busy. You know, you can't be complacent you know, whether that's getting a job, going to school or whatever it is. And especially, you know, being active in the church because you, there's, it's one thing to, to be actively going to church. And there's one thing to be like at church every week. And that's something that my mission president um, really emphasized with us. It's you like, it's easy when you get home to like, Oh, I'll go to this ward. And then my friend, he's, he's giving his homecoming talk today. So I'll go to that ward. And then, oh, this girl is cute. So I'll go to her ward. It's no, you, like, it's good to be social and everything, but you need to be active and you need to, if, if you're struggling with transitioning, I would highly recommend, um, going to your FHEs, being active in your ward, having a calling and going to the temple. But, sorry. Sweet. Oh, that's fine. Great advice. Keith thanks again for coming <laughs> on and being an avid listener. One thing that I should probably mention, I know a lot of missionaries don't have access to podcasts. Yeah. If you're a missionary or if you have missionaries out and you want them to have access to the Hereby Called podcast, 
It's just on, in a Google Drive. You can email us at hereby 19 at gmail.com. I'll put it in the show notes and we'll gladly share that drive with your missionaries and you know anyone that we can help, we, we want to do it. So I would highly recommend it. It's a good listen and I promise it... Uh, it's like, a, it was like comedic relief, at least for me. I don't know. It was like, <laughs> no, that's the goal because the mission, it's, it's highs and lows, but like it's everything. So you got to yeah. embrace the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if, if it was just funny because I, because you're my brother and you're my Who, brother. Who's funnier? It's, <laughs> it's a, I'm the spiritual one. I'm the spiritual one. It's actually like the goofball. Oh my God. It's the combo. <laughs> it's the combo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good, it's a good mix. <laughs> but we're good. That's all we got. Awesome. We'll post this. I'm not posting on Sunday anymore because then I have to do the social media stuff and I'm lazy. So we're posting on Saturdays now. You can listen to it whenever you listen to it. So, uh, stay tuned for more. That's right. Thank you.